As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. The Titus Bramble Rolls-Royce backlash. Eric Dyer trying to get his Spurs teammates hooked on Matt AT. The official guidelines for players' initiation songs in beige hotel function rooms. The creeping ubiquity of Dion Dublin. Players apologising via their notes app. Why the internet makes it so hard to find out a simple kickoff time. And John Terry's NFT racket. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 135 of the Football Clichés podcast. I am Adam Hurry and with me once more is Charlie Ocasher. How is it going? It's going well. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Um, The Titus Bramble backlash Mm. has been quite something in the last 48 hours or so. I I don't want to be seen to be doubling down or sticking to my guns or any of that nonsense. Um, It was semi-serious, but I still feel the principle is is sound. Yeah, I mean, me and Dave, you know, we, we did try and talk you out of it at the time. And you know, I think we've we've been restrained. We haven't dived into the um, yeah the sort of backlash you faced, but it was a huge claim. I mean, I like that you dug out a sort of um, a vindication, which was someone saying he could have been a Rolls Royce or he yes. was potentially a Rolls Royce, but essentially lacked the quality to be that. He has That's some elements, but not all of them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, this was the quote from Newcastle newspaper The Journal, July 2011, a year after Bramble had signed for Sunderland. Mistakes made, Bramble's life was at a crossroads as he departed St James's Park. Potentially a Rolls-Royce player, his career had stalled, but then came his first meeting with Steve Bruce, the man who risked his own reputation by re-signing him last summer. That's all we needed. We just needed one one reference to him being a potential Rolls-Royce, and that's it. Steve that's Bruce, it. not a Rolls-Royce, yeah, for uh, just to clarify. The, the, on the final word on this, Dermot O'Dorley writes in, he says, I once heard Damien Delaney on an Irish radio station described Danny Gabadon as a Rolls Royce of a human being. Oh wow! Sort of doesn't work, and yet is utterly vivid as a as a concept. Like I, I can see what he probably means. Sort of, you know, a diamond geezer. Yeah, yeah. Again, again, I think the um, that sort of high end premiumness is important. Mm. And there are some people. I think. I mean, I don't. I don't know Danny well enough, but I will. I will take his word for that. Yeah, seems like a nice guy. Um, speaking of Rolls Royce of human beings. Joining us for Mesut Harland Dicks this week is comedian and writer Reese James. Welcome, Reese. How are you? Good, thank you. Very excited to be here on the coveted 135th episode. <laughs> quite the landmark indeed. <laughs> it's the spot everyone's after. <laughs> Been meaning to ask you for a, quite a while now. I'm quite glad you're here for this. Uh, the emergence of your homophonous nemesis 
Chelsea mm. and England defender Reese James. What's it been like for you? Obviously abysmal. <laughs> Obviously it's absolutely awful. It's one of the Your worst. Your SEO possible. must have been hit so badly by that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm slightly lucky in that it's not spelt the same, but I get the, uh, I get the emails from my Google search console that tells me what people are searching to find my website and to be honest the spelling of my name is utterly irrelevant to that there was one the other day so i get r-y-s i get the other the other day it was like there were four different clicks to my website from r-y-s comedian so to, to rise comedian someone searched r-e-s r-e-s mock the week and i was like that could be anyone to be honest so yeah it's absolutely horrific to see him do well i've had to put him into my fantasy team just so that I don't go insane hoping he gets a career-ending injury like just for mental health reasons he has to I have to have some way to support this man and not pray every day that his career ends but yeah it's an absolute disaster quite the emotional bond you've got going on there but it sounds like the SEO for your website is doing pretty well to me doing great yeah four clicks doing his job almost too well if anything (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah I'm hoovering up loads of people anyone with a James in the name I mean the people looking for Acaster have an absolute shocker (laughs) Great news for the Sid James fan base as well. Yeah, of um, course. <laughs> your dad, presumably. Right, um, let's let's do a little brief adjudication panel, shall we? Because so many things popping up left, right and centre that it's impossible to ignore. First of all, Charlie, Barcelona are expecting to announce a £236 million deal with Spotify for the title rights on the redeveloped Camp Nou and indeed a shirt sponsorship deal. Charlie, the Spotify Camp Nou, it does sound like something you'd read in a kind of withering but five out of ten column in 2014 about the dystopian future of football. Mm, yeah, well, where, yeah where, this is where we're headed. Picture the scene at the Spotify Camp Nou as a robot slams home the third goal against the Intergalactic <laughs> Eleven. Who would be the players that would be uh, yeah, envisioned in that Eleven? Yeah, I mean, I guess when they did Qatar Foundation, then they probably felt all bets were off. I mean, they, it was classic, wasn't it? We will have no sponsor. Okay, well, UNICEF because that you know that's good ah fuck it let's just do Guitar (laughs) Foundation and now here we are it's been a very slippery slope Reese this is another hammer blow for the last remaining people that make up the new camp brigade which is not allowed to call that anymore are we no um, I mean I I thought Spotify would there were talks of Spotify buying Arsenal Mm. but now they're going to spend their money on Barcelona. So Arsenal yeah. losing out to Barcelona yet again. What a rich history of failure to, at the hands of Barcelona. And also, PR-wise, it's not been the best time for Spotify lately, has it? So I, I, I look forward to all the um, Barcelona games they have to go comb through to remove offensive slurs <laughs> shouted by the crowd or Luis Suarez. I, I, it seems like a, um, a very sort of elite level tie-in to me Charlie but it's it's money for the oldest rope isn't it I'm sure we've said this before on this podcast it's the easiest money in football take it take it fuck tradition well but the stadium names yeah 230 million pounds for what is essentially nothing no one's going to call it that it's fine yeah it is it is pretty easy I mean often it's the brands that are more wary because they don't want to be tied necessarily to one to one club I mean the funny thing with the Arsenal thing as well is that Daniel Ek the founder of Spotify came out and, and made his Arsenal credentials he laid them bare last year you know saying how and he used a quite incongruous word that made him sound not like a fan it was something like I've been cheering for them for a long time <laughs> but it was just something it was like mm, okay hold on rewind but yeah the fact he, he's, he, he's now gone in bed with Barcelona who as Reece says has caused his beloved Arsenal so much uh, grief over the years that uh, yeah might, might be a hard one to row back from I mean here I am Reece sitting here saying oh it doesn't matter just take the money you know it, it's it's just a, a mere corporate sheen it's not going to make any difference but there are some traditionalists out there and uh, as they might say in Catalan has El Jock Hadessa Paragut yeah game's I was going to say that game's gone oh is that what it is yes game's gone well you say also you said that you know, no one's going to call it that but then you look at the Emirates and the Etihad which is like it. it's weird that that doesn't feel bleaker to say I still call it Eastlands actually <laughs> Ashburton Grove and, <laughs> and also I would I as a Spurs fan right now I would absolutely kill for some corporate name stadium the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium sounds like it's on Pro Evo it doesn't make any sense <laughs> the London White Stadium has there been a longer tender out there than the Spurs naming rights saga it's ridiculous yeah it's exactly what you'd expect from Daniel Levy isn't it just <laughs> wait I'm surprised he didn't go placeholder is it's the Levy Stadium and then we'll just wait and see. It's insane. It's insane that it's taken this long. Surely you just take anything at this point. Yes, for, for mainly because, Charlie, I'm sick of calling it 
the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It it nothing could be more temporary than that. There, there yeah. needs to be a better name. And mm. also, I, I call it that because that's what it's called. And then people sort of get at you onto it, being like, "Oh, it shouldn't be," you know, it's shit. And it's like, yeah, I know. I'm not saying I'm I'm endorsing <laughs> it. I'm just calling it what it's called. And I can't if you call it White Hart Lane, then that's not right, and mm. that's even Feels even okay. worse. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think traditionalists would be a bit like it's not White Hart Lane, you know. It's not. Um, how yeah. dare you sully the good name of White Hart Lane? Yeah, yeah. Well, this one's going to run and run, no doubt. Uh, genuinely loved this next thing. This is from the Winter Olympics, uh, which has been going on recently. Purple Rayers sent this in to me. This is from the Women's Snowboard Cross Event. You might think you know what's coming, but uh, <laughs> either way, it's it's frankly sumptuous. Okay, so Michaela Moyoli. She was uh, distraught at not making the finals, but she has to refocus that energy now. She has to get over it because there's the small matter of the consolation final. (laughs) Potentially the first ever entirely accurate and non-ironic usage or accidentally non-ironic usage of the small matter. I was going to say that really <laughs> took me on a ride because I was for the small matter of, okay, so it's going to be some big final. So actually what that was like the small matter of the shield or the plate competition. <laughs> Fair play. I don't know. I don't know, what, I don't know where I stand. Um, just for extra context here, Reese. Um, the competitor in question crashed out of the consolation final. Well, of course. Well, you, you know, you can't get up for it, can you? It's a genuine <laughs> small matter. Yeah. A fantastic entry into the pantheon of small matter. I'm delighted to share that with everyone. But our business today is Mesut Harland Dix with Reese James. Fascinated by your six selections, Reese. Um, what was the selection process like? Arduous, I hope. It was actually. I had very long lists for both. And uh, it it involved a text to my brother right. with all of the options to see what he thought. I went for a pizza before the Spurs game on Saturday night uh, with a friend who was coming to the game. And I read my list to him, who wasn't that interested, to be honest. No offence to you or me. Uh, but he was sort of like, yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose it all work. Yeah. Can we order soon? <laughs> Some people just don't get it. I'm trying to get a conversation going here. Yeah. But um, in the end, I think I just picked the ones that would be most satisfying to say out loud. But there's still pl- there's actually loads where I'm like, I-, I could be halfway through describing one. And if we're not vibing on it, I'd be like, oh, but I've got this other bit. I've got this other one I could talk about that we might get really into. But, I'll, you know, I'll just have to come on in the um, 270th episode and talk through those. <laughs> yeah, you're always welcome back. Well, provisionally. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, this, this is, this on the face of it, a very good cross-section of someone's footballing consciousness. But um, let's kick things off. Tell us about your first potential love of football. Okay, it is Mate. I believe that's the correct pronunciation. Yep. Mate Drinkers. Footballers who drink mate arriving at stadiums with their goblets with metal straws in. <laughs> goblets? Is it a goblet? They look like goblets. I don't know. They're, those, they're very niche cups either way. It's not a coffee mug. It's not a keep cup. It's a very specific sort of brown, very round, open goblet with a silver rim and a sort of like quite fixed looking like silver straw coming out of it. And... I just think in the world of footballers arriving at stadiums, I believe uh, my good friend and colleague Ivo Graham talked about the wash bags and the big headphones that where players are disengaged entirely, which I, you know, I'm not against. And then the sort of Gucci, Louis Vuitton wash bag situation. To come in with something that looks so much like it's out of a fairy tale. <laughs> I am just so it just like it's so weirdly incongruent with everything I know about footballers. And I think that's obviously my English eyes being put onto yeah, this because it's clearly it's a South American thing that I think started in Paraguay or equivalent of Paraguay at the time. And it's in I, I first heard about it. Yeah, I first heard about it because of Maurizio Pochettino, who spoke about it at length in his book, his ghost written book, to be fair. So it is a fairy tale. <laughs> uh, and he's, he always talked about it. I've got to have my mate before the game. And I always have. And then loads of the Spurs players were Argentinian at the time. So they were all drinking it. And then I saw something. I remember seeing something ages ago about Eric Dyer saying that he'd got the Spurs team really into it. And they tried to take it to England, but maybe people weren't <laughs> interested in England. And it was just the Spurs players in England would drink this. And then obviously probably getting bullied by the rest of the squad. But I just, I don't know. There's something about it. I have tried it as well. Um, and it's, you know, it's all, it's fine. <laughs> on, that Eric, on that Eric Dyer quote, 
Um, mm. There's a lovely little um, note at the end of that where he describes how he tried to get the kind of the Spurs squad into it. And he, he finished with, uh, Danny Rose and I have a quiet one in our room sometimes when we're with England. <laughs> quiet one. <laughs> because this is it, a quiet mate. And I think, yeah. you know, Charlie, that a beverage has passed into at least the outskirts of British mainstream culture when it gets its own completely unnecessary adjective. So if we get to sort of cheeky matter, I was yeah, just yeah, saying yeah, cheeky yeah. matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think just building on what Reese was saying about the incongruousness of it, I, I, what I find amazing is that it looks to the untrained eye like a lot of effort as well. It looks like a really, yeah. like it looks quite a labour intensive drink to have, which again, in the era we're told of, you know, footballers being lazy, having fixers to do everything for themselves, they're coming in and they have this quite complicated contraption. And they do. I remember um, after a game, a Champions League game, and uh, Lo Celso and Foyt coming through the mix zone and us talking to them. And they were there. They were both clutching their... Stirring mate. away. Yeah. And but had, like, you seen, had you seen them make it themselves? That is a good point. That is because a good point. Because the, to the, me, the, the, how difficult it is looks to make, to me, makes it the ultimate footballer drink. Because it's just like such a thing to have if you know you're not in charge of the admin. I just wondered, yes. this, this makes me wonder, does this fall under the remit of the tea lady? Does the yeah, tea lady yeah, now yeah. have to make matter? She must be saying, what the fuck is this? Something yeah. doing this? What? Uh, I think that's uh, more the fixer, <laughs> or, or imagine like the player liaison officer who has all these tasks mm. and then suddenly is being given like, yeah, sorry, you're, you're going to have to learn how to make mate. You're right, but I think the illusion I have anyway is that because you just see them coming off the bus or coming into the mix zone or whatever, with it, it does almost look as if they've done it and I've got a lot of time for that or the imagined idea of that anyway. Yeah, if they are doing it themselves, then I'm massively... I mean, I'm, I'm on board with what it looks like anyway. But if they're doing it themselves, I can't imagine they're doing the, the washing up, which to me is the thing that looks the most... It's like Weetabix, isn't it? It's like, do it instantly. Mm. It, or it's, that looks like it's going to be stuck in that goblet for a while. Porridge, they, they can't be getting a fresh goblet that. every time, surely. <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm just enjoying the word goblet being used several times. It has to be, it's sure. It's let's a be, let's be, we should display some cultural sensitivity here. It's not a goblet, it's a gourd, apparently. It's a gourd. Right, okay. And the straw, the metal straw that you talk about, is in fact a bombilla. A bombilla. Gordon ah, Bombay. Nice. Gordon Bombay. It sounds, sounds like a bad signing from Euro, 92. Eurovision winner, 1984. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Charlie, I mean, it seems like this phenomenon is is trickling into kind of anglophone footballing culture. But how long do you think it would take for it to get down to Sunday League? I feel like it might happen. Oh, <laughs> that would be amazing. Someone turning up. With it. I mean, that, that would be the the height of exoticism. I mean, if if you had often a Sunday League, there will be one kind of. South American or Spanish player or something, which is already already makes you feel like you're a proper team when you've got not just <laughs> local English lads. If one of them turned up with, I'm trying to think now if I've ever seen that. Don't think I have, but yeah, that would be. Then you know you've made it. I think you know it's truly broken through when people are drinking it at five aside. When you don't even need the caffeine boost from it because it's seven p.m. <laughs> That's when you're like, this is insane. It's, it's a 40 it's, minute match. It's got a really tricky job, Mate, of displacing the traditional five side drink that is the massively overpriced vending machine Lucasade, yeah. like still Lucasade, <laughs> that, that claims to be low calorie, which to me completely negates the point of drinking it in the first place. Yeah. But yeah, real tough one to shift. Reese, let's hear about your second love of football, please. I really like that players are still inducted or initiated into teams by singing a song and the yep. fact that this is effectively universal so it is literally every team does this in every league around the world they have to if you sign for a new team you have to sing a song and your teammates the more senior of your teammates will film it for their instagram story with their reaction as if it's bad as if they didn't think it would be bad <laughs> They're always like, oh, we can't sing. You're like, yeah, that's why you do this. That's the whole point. That's why you're footballers and not at the Brits. It's a ridiculous thing, that, but I love it. I, and then every now and then someone's really good, which is great fun, ruins the whole thing for everyone else. And most of the time, though, and I love it when footballers come who maybe come to the Premier League and they don't speak great English and they don't bother trying to sing an English song. They sing something from their home nation especially when there's no one else from that home nation in the team 
and they just sort of polite applause as well yeah yeah yeah. they just fully lean into this thing yeah my favorite one in recent memory and this is hugely biased i'm obviously more likely to have seen spurs ones but sergio reggion did this one okay that was just very energetic and had a lot of conviction Mm. and then you immediately sort of knew oh this is the sort of character this is going to (laughs) be he's going to be a laugh to these people maybe not my cup of tea but he's good maybe not my cup of mate but he's going to be yeah (laughs) he's going to be fun around the camp with these guys would i be right in thinking that you prefer you prefer these players to give it their all you don't like reluctant initiation singers i have a lot of empathy with those guys but yeah it's obviously more entertaining when they do give it their all but i really really sympathize and empathize with the reluctant oh god element of it <laughs> but I think Reese, you really tap into something I mean the like you say about Regulon it gives you an insight into maybe what he's going to be like I think in the in the age of the access has never been worse to footballers and so any teeny weeny mm. glimpse of their personality we latch onto as a kind of like yeah I really feel I know this guy now you know from this like 10 second probably slightly curated yeah. video that we're seeing anyway but it's just like oh yeah no I, yeah he's a really good guy he's a really good bloke actually really yeah, down yeah, to yeah. earth <laughs> the way the he's saying stand by me exactly <laughs> yeah of the base of a fuzzy uh, phone video and I wonder if there's space and this is much more your remit than mine but if there's space in football analysis for confidence of the initiation song versus performances <laughs> on the pitch versus debut performance I would doesn't say translate. There could yeah. be a decent correlation, I would say, because it, it really does imply a certain level of confidence, which which I guess you would need to settle into a new country and a new team. So I guess it kind of works. But if we're going to dig into this, Charlie, I want to kind of set the scene here a bit, because it is such a consistent footballing phenomenon that, that the setting is always the same. It's always like a re- it's always a hotel function room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly the same size every time. So depending on how many people are there, it either looks cavernous or packed. And it's beige, beige everywhere, massive curtains. And they're sat on a chair Post that, as dinner. listener Tom writes in and says, was used for a wedding reception the day before. And it's, always, <laughs> it's, very, it's a very bleak setting. It, it is bleak. And often, as they pan round, there'll be one, one or two who are just on their phones, which is always like, come yeah. on, lads, show, show some respect. The uh, Tongi uh, and Dombele types just <laughs> not engaged at all. And other people banging on the table. So it's always like yeah. around, around dessert time yeah. of, the, of the meal on an away day or something banging on the table the player singing is stood on his chair doesn't seem confident about that fact let alone the song it's all just great it's just like it's so also what I know of school and the people who played football at school like would make you do this thing yeah it's so it's I mean it's nowhere near sort of like rugby initiations at university time level but these are professionals and adults um well but anyway they it's just so exactly like, oh right, this you never you never have another idea. So you're you're that level of sort of banter forever. Then, so if you're that at fifteen, that is just what you are. Sing we, a song, ha ha ha. And in the same way as that, there will be someone in this scene doing that kind of hysterical, like, <laughs> laugh, yeah, sort of like yeah. pointing at the person <laughs> in a way that's one, I'm finding it funny. Two, I'm enjoying sort of your embarrassment. In, yeah, in a exactly. Quite, in a quite mean way. But I definitely think there's enough in there, Adam, on the. Uh, uh, that correlation piece you know to be like you know at Spurs they knew he would be confident from the moment he started singing mm. in his mm. in that video and that translated <laughs> to it's a bit like the, debut fir- the, the first weekend. time they kick a ball on the training ground as soon as, we, as soon as we saw him in the chair he did things we couldn't believe with that yeah. microphone <laughs> um, but Jolly before we dig into some examples um, in summary then given considering the if you could conceive the range of things that Premier League footballers could potentially do to each other or force each other to do for initiation purposes, this is actually quite wholesome, isn't it? You, as you say, it's, it's, a, it's a little glimpse into their personality, but it's also a little glimpse into team spirit. This is, relatively mm. speaking, quite a PG thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I think that's also, I mean, football now kind of has to be, yeah. you know, that, that it's as far from the uni rugby initiations as we can imagine. You know, this is like the day before a game, they're all staying at a hotel together where they'll basically be told what time they have to go to bed. I mean, yeah. it's it, it is kind of the um, they have to they are treated in this way. So yeah, it is it's very wholesome. It is quite schoolboy and schoolboy before you start drinking loads. Okay, so let's have our first example then. Uh, Rishi, you mentioned that this sort of seems to happen around sort of meal times. So There's a real kind of cutlery vibe. Yeah. going on um this is perhaps a, a nice kind of perfect middle ground for us to start with this is scott mctominay's manchester united first team initiation in 2019 he sang bill withers ain't no sunshine with a spoon <laughs> 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 
there's that laughter I was talking about. Oh, and the the napkins being waved. (laughs) There's napkins spun round at the end. I mean, that could be quite confusing for the singer. If they they think they're, they're, you know, Spotify Camp New, they might think they're doing something really (laughs) terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Um, Someone joined in. Who was the person who joined in at the very end? I couldn't work it out from the voice alone. Spoiling it either way. Should join. Yeah. Did he turn exactly, the spoon yeah. to the crowd to try and to invite them to uh, drop the spoon and then yeah. um, but but Charlie as a song choice there seem, I mean I was trying to kind of pin down what the kind of classic song choice is and there does seem to be kind of disproportionate um, selection of kind of soul classics as if that's kind of safe ground because everyone will know it they're not massively tricky to go for even if you're not a good singer yeah I guess it's like karaoke isn't it you, there are some staples. Some are easy to sing, and like with karaoke, there are probably some where someone starts, you're like, oh, this is actually, this is going to be quite hard. Yeah. But McTominay, <laughs> McTominay's done brilliantly. Yeah, I, think that, I think that is the quintessential choice for that sort of thing, because that is famously, it doesn't have any crazy notes in it, but it does also have opportunity for flair if you happen to be good. And that is why Harry Styles chose it as his audition for X Factor all those years ago. <laughs> It's like, it's like, like you're finally airing that grievance. I don't know why. Yeah. That's such a good point, though, about the uh, what makes a good karaoke choice. You do want to have a moment, but just don't make it too hard for yourself. Mm. And also have have easy lyrics to sing. Sometimes people just get, they re- realise, actually, I don't really know the lyrics to this song at all. You need to. Listener Aaron Conway has, has, has attempted to kind of nail down the kind of genres that we're looking at here. It says, if they're English, initiation songs should have to be at least pre-2010. They shouldn't look out of place in a Spotify playlist titled Cheesy Hits or Classic Road Trip Bangers. Uh, <laughs> foreign language signings are allowed a song from their home country, but there needs to be 100% commitment. Now, we, we talked about this a moment ago about how you know, if a foreign signing sort of picks something very obscure, then there's this kind of, kind of a polite appreciation of the song that they've chosen. But, Reese, on the other hand, here's Pepe Reina in 2020 signing for Aston Villa with La Bamba. It's a classic that never led you down. Uh, La Bamba is La Bamba <laughs> everywhere, you know? Uh, and as I say in the initiation, it's just, uh, I'm going to introduce myself with a song that you all know from your time, your holidays in Spain. So, yeah, it was uh, a decent one. Good performance, good solid performance, and you know a heartwarming logic behind the choice. But I feel bad for him. The fact he was kind of essentially forced, coerced into singing a song we know. Sing one we know. I like that he described La Bamba as a song we all know from our holidays in Spain. <laughs> as if you get off the plane in Spain and it's just la 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 Bamba. He also has the confidence of age in that. That is exactly what I'm looking for. The older players just know they've been through it. They've seen enough of these to know it's fucking painful when it's just like, oh, I don't really want to be doing it. Oh, I'm just trying to blend into the background. You have to go for it. It's a minute and a half of your life. La Bamba's an insane choice, I must say, but I do I, I, get, I do love it. But it's too chaotic. Yeah, but Charlie, perhaps in this kind of in this kind of sphere, perhaps this is where kind of backup goalkeepers come into their own because they're kind of innately <laughs> self-confident and backup goalkeepers kind of, they get to a stage of their career, perhaps where Pepe Reina was when he signed for Villa, where they kind of just don't really care anyway. Um, they're the most easy players to interview for a start because they're just talking left, right and centre. So, well, Ray, yeah, Reina, wasn't he, wasn't he taken or not taken for that purpose but in the, when Spain won the World Cup he was said to be like the most important member of the squad but he didn't play doesn't matter just how important he was behind the scenes as a sort of character raising morale so <laughs> La Bamba he, every single morning <laughs> whenever anyone was low have five minutes with Pepe he'll, he'll sort you out so I think for him this must have been an absolute open goal he must have been he would probably be one of the few who actually relished doing the um, initiation song. yeah as much as he did seem to relish it Reese, I, st- I still feel there was kind of element of kind of you know trying to ingratiate himself too quickly, and perhaps uh, taking it to an extreme extent. Cesc Fabregas, when he signed for Chelsea in 2014, sang the Macarena to his teammates, which that, just feels me, like re- just an absolute is oh, I don't desperate. Know, that reeks of desperation, of oh, getting a, oh my god, 
that yeah, getting a one with a dance move that everyone can do along to just go like everyone has to be involved. But I can to be fair, there's a slight risk element to it. I can imagine nothing bleaker than singing a song that we all know has a famous dance to it and watching as no one does the dance. Yeah, yeah. that is that is true hazing, mm. and I'm. I would lose respect for that team if they didn't do that. Um, so we've we've seen a, a nice little kind of cross-section of it so far. We've seen the kind of surprisingly talented young player. We've seen the at-ease foreign veteran. Here's something a little bit more playful. This is uh, former football cliches slash Mesut Holland Dick's ace, Killian Sheridan, upon signing for Hapo Irony Kiriat Shimona in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Adventurous song choice, fascinating use of instrumental as well, just to really round it off. Mm. But my my thought halfway through this was, as widespread as we think this phenomenon might be, what if he sort of turned up in the Israeli league and stood up on a chair and everyone's like, what's he doing? We didn't ask him to do this. (laughs) Well, that is something very jarring in that video, which is that he obviously does have an audience. And as we described, they seem to be in some sort of hotel function room. It seems like it's, you know, staying over before an away day. But there's one dancing audience member at the front, and it's a ch- it's a toddler. Yeah, <laughs> it's a toddler drinking a juice. Who who is that? That what can't be from the youth team. <laughs> that is very bizarre. But um, yeah, you do wonder if I did claim that this happens in every league in every country, but actually maybe my limited resources just show me it's in sort of the big four. <laughs> so I I just I haven't ventured outside of that. So yeah, I suppose you could sign. I think. I don't think anyone... I mean, that clip implies the confidence of someone who's gone, I'm just going to stand up on a chair and start. But I don't think anyone's really doing that. I think everyone, you know, there's been whispers, oh, he's got to do his initiation, he's got to do that. And then you're like, okay, start thinking about what I should sing. No one's just turning up at a new team. Everyone's thinking in the back of their mind, I might be able to get away with this. They might forget. If we're on a bad run and everyone's nervous, they (laughs) might It's not a priority. Yeah. (laughs) But nevertheless, a real icebreaker of a song choice, Charlie. But... um, Killian, that isn't just Killian's only contribution to this subgenre. He has a little story for us. He says, um, funny story about one of mine when I was younger. I was young and shy and went for a safe and simple Taylor Swift, Bad Blood. So like everywhere, someone recorded it and the club released it on their social media accounts. In two or three days, it got just over 100,000 views. Next thing, it's taken down. Taylor Swift was demanding royalties, and if not, then we didn't have permission to use her song. We explained to her what it was for, but she wouldn't back down, and it's never seen the light of day since. Probably best for me, as I was bollock naked at the time. Wow. (laughs) Uh, A sensational story, Charlie. However, he made it all up. Oh. I was so drawn in by it. I had to DM him and say, is this true? It's a, it, it's it's very believable. He's got the that numbers some, just right. That has, that has some great... Yeah, 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 exactly. That has some great elements to it. Oh, Crushed by the Swift machine. I think we all believe that. Mm. Definitely. She's, yeah. Taylor's... She just released a new album called Taylor's Version. Is she really <laughs> going to repost that? <laughs> Taylor's Version? The whole thing... Um, yeah, I, I didn't smell any bullshit in there I was, I was completely taken in but as with all these sorts of things Reese, I want to kind of try and pinpoint when it began because it's so easy to say oh, it, might, it came in the last couple of years but the further back you go the more instances you find the earliest I could find on Google and this is by my scientific method of simply googling Premier League initiation song and then just <laughs> creeping up until I found one this is Andre Villas-Boas showing his Chelsea players he may not be the modern man they thought he was by performing a Portuguese folk song at his initiation ceremony Villas-Boas and I'm quoting from the report here baffled blue stars by singing a traditional song in his native Portuguese a source said a source said the lads thought he might sing something in the charts or at least something they'd heard of instead they just sat totally bemused wondering what he was singing the insider added it was almost as bad as Yossi Benayoun singing you'll never walk alone <laughs> didn't really set That's the tone amazing. for Villas-Boas's Chelsea reign I, I don't suspect yeah I was gonna say that that is 
very much going in the long read, the inside story of uh, why it didn't work for AFB at Chelsea. You know, we knew from the moment he uh, he got the tone wrong from the very start. Even his initiation song, he couldn't read the room. Uh, just this idea, Reese of players sat there going, I'm not having this, I'm not having this. Should be something, something we know, I don't like it. Well, it shows you, folk music. It shows you the, how dated the uh, even the article is, it shows you how long ago it is, just by the phrase... We thought he'd sing something in the charts. <laughs> I don't think I've heard anyone say that sort of thing for it. Well, where, where's the songs from the hit parade, please, ABB? <laughs> oh, dear. Right, finally on this one. Charlie, I feel like we hear about most of these, either from grainy YouTube videos or Instagram stories, or indeed their teammates being asked about it in an interview. And I think we can now bestow on this corner of modern footballing culture its highest honour. We can now place it alongside questions such as who's the worst dresser? Who's the biggest joker? Who's the DJ in the the shower? As in, what song did player X sing at their initiation? That that's becoming a staple. Yeah, that that's that's one of the yeah. Although although would it be a kind of who who gave the worst initiation or who gave Mm. the best initiation as a kind of banter? And you can predict the answer. You feel like you can just see the answer coming. It's along the same lines, Reese, as kind of. When a pundit says, well, not sure about those dance moves at the corner flag when a player scores, it's that kind of, well, he wasn't great, was he? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I reckon if you, yeah, you could, once again, this is another one for the football analysts, but I reckon you could you <laughs> could work out in every squad best and worst. I think you get pretty close to best and worst in every, it's not going to be any surprises. Like in those old interviews you're talking about where you're like, who's the best player you played with? And then there was an era where lots of people said Moussa Dembele and mm. Tubes would be shocked every time. <laughs> In fact, every person he's asked who plays for Spurs or Belgium has said that. You're not going to go, what? No way, I can't believe it. It'd be be pretty obvious. I would probably guess Reguillon would do the best song at Spurs. And I'd probably guess that maybe Jaffet Tanganga or or even Harry Kane would do a a very lacking in confidence approximation. It would be the song of a leader, would it? Absolutely not. No. Um... Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. All right, let's move on. Reese. tell us about your very open-ended looking third love of football, please. Dion Dublin. Bloody love. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no, there's no, no, no more to say on that. I love Dion Dublin. What I love about Dion Dublin is that he is, well, not only his eclectic post-playing um, career, which is sensational... But more still in the football realm. This guy is a footballing legend, okay? Yep. He scored loads of goals. He played for his country. He headbutted Robbie Savage. His mm-hmm. list of achievements are endless. Yet, when he's commentating on a game, he always seems surprised to have been invited. <laughs> he's got this amazing energy of just like, the, the, he doesn't really do the job of the co commentator necessarily. He does a much more fun job, which is basically every time it throws to him, he's just like, God, this is brilliant. <laughs> and that's the whole thing he's not sort of like well actually what he's done there is this and it's a bad tackle for these reasons he just goes oh what an atmosphere god what a day out this has been and the novelty and of that never seems to wear off does it no it's a ama- it, it mm. makes it such a more fun i mean to to go with the cliche it makes it more fun for the neutral right if, you, okay. if i'm watching my own team and dion dublin's commenting on it it's probably a bit annoying because i want detailed analysis in some way to say actually that should have been a penalty for your team Reese. but when it's just like you know over the, he does the FA Cup a lot 
And when it's early rounds of the FA Cup and your team's not playing, he just like makes it such an occasion. Yeah, that's the energy you need for first yeah. and second round and it's ties. Like, yeah. like from a fan's perspective, like obviously the the primary commentator tries to make it an occasion with all the cliches that have been talked about to death. The thing I think you were tweeting the other day, try telling Shrewsbury that the FA Cup doesn't mean anything or whatever. I Dion love Dublin that. is prime. You try telling those fans. Yeah, yeah, but he do, but he does it in a different tone of voice right. that doesn't make me angry. <laughs> where it'll be, it won't be like, well, try telling. It will be like, oh my god, I, go up to the Shrewsbury players and tell them this doesn't matter. This is amazing. The, the fans. What? He just, oh, I love. He just takes it all in in real time, doesn't he? Last season, Reese, I was saying this after the uh, Spurs, the Marine Spurs game which was he commentated on and how much he loved it was just unreal how much he loved it he just couldn't get enough of it obviously you had this whatever seventh eighth tier team they were in the FA Cup against Premier League Tottenham and it it just it never got old for him the the, the fact that it was happening never got old it was amazing wasn't it because you'd expect the first 10 minutes in that game for them to talk about how people are literally on the edge of the pitch in their back gardens they have to put numbers on the outside of the pitch so you know which house to go and knock on to get the ball back from. <laughs> and there are people with an there are girls in their garden with an Aperol spritz watching this, which is great. We talk about it for ten minutes. He just talked about it the whole time, and I was like, "Yeah, what else is there to talk about?" That's that's the most fun part of this match. Don't knock the numbers. The Athletic sponsored those numbers. Those are those good numbers, numbers. I love those numbers, but I mean, you know. The fact that Dion Dublin, in the similar to the Athletic, thought the numbers were the most important thing <laughs> was <laughs> Never seen it before. That's, that's what it was. I do have a personal link to loving Dion Dublin, which is I w- worked with him briefly on this programme, the short-lived programme for Sky, I think called Comedians Watching Football with Friends. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it was me and Ellis James watching a football match with Dion Dublin. And it was sort of like the rever- complete role reversal where it was just me, just Dion just like fielding question after question of me and Ellis being like, what's it like on the team bus? And, just like asking, and can you eat crisps? And just like all these mad, just like constant detailed questions. And, and me and Ellis just looking at each other after every answer Dion said, just going, God, this is brilliant. And then I, I um, have a podcast called Early Work. Don't need to plug it, but it's about teenage writing and all that bullshit. Don't listen to it. It's rubbish. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I just felt awkward plugging it. But I asked Dion Dublin to come on it after we worked together, thinking, I wonder if he's, you know, I said, like, did you write any lyrics or poems or anything like that when you're at school that you want to come and chat about? And it's mostly just a conversation anyway. And he replied <laughs> saying, ha ha ha, I'm really sorry, Reese. I was shit at most things when it comes to school, pal. So I guess it's a good job I could rise at the far post and nod a few in. Oh, what a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant yeah. sign-off. It continues, writing poems wasn't high, wasn't high on the bracket, little scallywags, close brackets, agenda, kidder. Always ask though, my friend, and it's great to hear from you. And then I did ask him to be on two different podcasts and he didn't reply. But oh my goodness. <laughs> I just love the always ask followed by, I'm obviously not replying to that. Mate. Yeah. Polite um, fading it was from, great. Uh, I loved, from your contact. I wasn't book. writing poems. I was nodding them in at the back post. Is the yeah. best ever reason not to do a podcast in the world. I mean, in some ways, quite reassuring that he said no. Because I mean, it's the creeping ubiquity of Dion Dublin. I mean, we're seeing him in lots of places. Yeah. In the space of 24 hours, Charlie, in October 2020, Dion Dublin was on a question of sport, football focus, homes under the hammer and celebrity catchphrase. And yet doesn't it doesn't feel like he's, you know, he's dominating the airwaves. No, no, he's not at that sort of space. Cammy, I felt was a few years ago mm. where Cammy really was everywhere. You, you couldn't you can move for Cammy that it, it almost became too much. No, I haven't reached that saturation point with him, yeah. though. He does feel very a question of sport. Yeah, he does. I mean, he, he is. He could have made. For, he could have been a captain. captain material. Yeah, I genuinely think he could be a captain. Reese, I mean, so so intense is his kind of low key desire to be seen out and about. He has been he has been featured no fewer than seven times on cult Twitter accounts spotted Premier League players. John D says, I met Dion Dublin in the early hours of Birmingham Airport. I asked him to sign the Aston Villa anorak I was wearing and a tourist information leaflet about the canals of Birmingham. He did both with a smile. Lovely man. These go on. Um, people are seeing <laughs> yeah. him all over the place. I'm too busy <laughs> nodding ones in at the far post to sign you. Sign an, an Aston Thank, Villa thanks anorak for asking. that he was wearing and a map of, what was it, a map of Birmingham? Yeah, about the canals specifically. The map of the canals of Birmingham. This guy, <laughs> I want to hear more about that guy. <laughs> what a thing to have signed. I mean, if you in a panic, I guess, Charlie, you just need something. You need something. Sign something, this. anything. Uh, yeah, anything. what a tie-up. Yeah, bog roll, whatever. But yeah, let's look back at 
Dion Dublin in his pomp, if we may, Reese. Of course famed for his towering headers and uh, criminally not going to France 98 with the England squad. But he did, of course, produce this audacious, impudent goal against Newcastle for Coventry in 1997. I want to listen, I want to, listen to it, but in the context of the match of the day analysis of that evening, which really is of its time. Given that actually does well initially, because he catches under a great deal of pressure, Dublin goes off the pitch, but Given just forgets that he's gone off the pitch, puts it down. I think he should have taken another touch there, Trev, before he put it in myself. Yeah, it's a guy. I think Kenny might have a word about did he go off the pitch and, and should he be allowed back on? But I mean, it was he, mentioned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in dispatches, I think he could get a few mentions. That is a good goal. I mean, you know, it's just one of the It's one about the Irishman and the Englishman, isn't it? Yeah. Shea Given getting wing mirrors for the rest of the season. <laughs> You're a comedian, Reese. You enjoyed that last bit, surely? <laughs> I absolutely love that. You know what? It's, it is, the game is gone if we can't have analysis like that anymore. They all take it too seriously now. I'd love to hear that sort of stuff again and not just from Lineker for once. I, Charlie, I miss Brooking so much because you know that any clip you listen to of Trevor Brooking on Match of the Day will end with a lovely little chuckle just to send you mm. off. And, and, and unlucky was his favourite word. I, love, I could hear him say unlucky all day. Unlucky. It's absolutely superb. Okay, you're listening to Meza Harlan Dix with Rhys James. We've covered so far the creeping ubiquity of Dion Dublin, the curious phenomenon of players' initiation songs, and indeed, mate drinkers arriving at stadiums with their goblets and metal straws. Right then, Rhys, let's hear about your first dislike of football, please. Well, I think it's notes app apologies for losing from players. <laughs> and I think when I say notes app apologies, you know, I'm not limiting it to the specific iPhone notes app. Some people like to do it in different formats. Long Twitter threads, I think I include in this category about losing. I just think it's not, the notes app apology in general is insufficient or too much. It's never been right. Yes. So it's either that someone, usually a social media personality, has done something genuinely offensive uh, th- or insensitive that the notes of apology is not warranted, it's not nearly enough, or, and it's, it's not going to cover it and they think that's going to cover their back, or it's a footballer losing a match, usually for Man United, and then the fans, the way social media has had fans behaving means they feel like they have an obligation to do an apology for that, which they've kind of already done in the post-match interview. And then they're like, oh, I need to take to social media to release a statement. You, just, you don't. You're a footballer. You can't win every game. This yep. is how the fucking game works. It's a sport. <laughs> Sometimes you're going to lose. And that's the job. It's, it's literally fine. And to me, it speaks so much of the privilege of certain teams' fans. As a Spurs fan, I would never, I would never expect an apology for losing a match. And teams far lower than Spurs would be like, are you kidding me? And teams above Spurs would think that. But the fact that... Like, it is Man United more than it's United. It's Bruno Fernandes. That, that was at the yeah. tipping point recently. I associate it with Harry Maguire and people like that. I don't think I can find evidence of Harry Maguire doing it. I think he's done Twitter threads, but I can't seem to find He fronts up too often on TV mm. to, have to, to have to resort to yeah, exactly. an extra he's layer always... of apology. But he's busy looking instinct, at himself in the mirror. Their instinct is, is yeah, exactly. Their instinct is apologising. I'm like, it, this is the job. I know, yeah, we, oh, we didn't give enough. We lost 5 0. Yeah, I know, but. That's what happens, isn't it? I found a few from Rashford where he was talking about how, oh, people have been, it wasn't even post a match. It was like people saying we're not backing the manager at the moment. Well, and then Rashford likes to go on a big story about his childhood before he gets into it. And sometimes it's right. If You know, I can see why he might feel like he wanted to do one after the Euros and the penalty and give a bit of backstory. And that was a great statement. But the fact that it's, I'm not having to go at the players. It's the fact that it's been deemed necessary in their heads now by the way that football fans behave on Twitter is absolutely obscene to me. So, Charlie, Reese is pretty bang on here. This does reflect badly on both the fans and, to an extent, the media who kind of enable this, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it become it, it moves the story on. Mm. So, from a media perspective, it's it's quite handy. But like, yeah, there is one. I think it was maybe after the dart they lost a City in the derby, and I think it was Fernandez, and it did feel like a tipping point because it was like this isn't even a battering. There's no suggestion really you haven't tried. You were just outplayed by a far better side. Mm. Like what? 
what what are you kind of adding here or like will you know all the platitudes have been said in the post-match interviews and press conferences yeah it does just give like an earnestness and yeah a kind of additional weight to something that isn't that serious i just i just feel like it's it's now so firmly part of the news cycle that if they disappeared i think we'd suddenly wonder where everything had gone but we'll we'll return to the manchester derby in just a moment but but reese you were talking about getting the sweet spot of, of appropriateness with the notes app but almost regardless of that, there is an authenticity to it. There's a, there's kind of an earthiness about it. it. It's much better than, say, like a carefully designed graphic with a font that's too narrow. And for some reason, someone has decided to make it sort of centrally justified, like a poem. Um, <laughs> yeah, and but, a signature at the end. Like yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how easily people give away their signatures these days. Yeah. If you're famous. That's it. They're even on Wikipedia. Why do they need to be there? Yeah, I do think the notes have... Yeah, it's sort of like in the modern world where we're not really sure what's being posted on social media is anything to do with a player, particularly when that social media manager gets caught out commenting on their own picture when they're supposed to have logged into someone else's account, Kyle Walker. Um, You know, you do sort of think, oh, this is all nonsense. You know, the three points um, focus on next week, arm muscle emoji. Yeah being the absolute cliche for every single one just a picture when you know this player is not logging into Instagram. Um, it's just nonsense. They're just like fire emojis from all their teammates. Just one sad, lonely guy on an intern's <laughs> wage going, oh God, fine. Mason Mount understood the assignment. Yeah, fine. Um, just sort of drives me insane. And the notes of apology is the only thing where you're like, well, I can tell even by the grammar of this and the squiggly red line underlining some spelling mistakes mm. that you don't care about. <laughs> the curse are still there at the, bo- at the end. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. It's, it's a work in progress. has to have been you. But um, but maybe we're being had there. Maybe this is their yeah, managers thinking, it? ah, this will look authentic. I'll, I'll put in a few spelling errors. I'll, I'll leave it like this. I'll do it on notes. That'll make it. I'll have Ooh, quite a low battery in the corner. Yeah, because yeah, I've been done. Yeah, Fair yeah, enough. Hold my hands take up it back. But still, I think that yeah, it's mainly the issue with the fact that they think they have to do this. Whereas I just look at the job of a footballer as it's sort of also it's sort of not really anything to do with the players that much. I get the whole, you know, you can be there going, well, you can blame the manager as much as you like, but the players have to put in some effort. And you go, oh, yeah, I know. But also, it, it, yeah, like you say, losing to Man City. It's like, well, of course, of course mm. you lost to Man City. It's Man City. Mm. This is the derby doesn't make it suddenly a 50-50 match. <laughs> speaking They're of much which, better. speaking of which, if I can broaden this out very slightly, Eric Bailly, of course, scored an own goal against Manchester City in a, in the derby <laughs> in, back in November. And he tweeted out um, a fairly standard apology. Nobody is more frustrated than me, he wrote. I have to keep my head up, no excuses. He tweeted not one, but two different pictures of him actually scoring the own goal, which I thought was excessive. (laughs) Yeah, it was amazing. But also that is so the United content machine. Like all of their strategy, their digital social media strategists will say you'll get far more engagement if you include pictures or include video or whatever. (laughs) So clearly whoever was doing this for everybody he took that on board and was like well you know we know what the rules are more you know pictures equal more engagement so we've got to include it just the, the other thing that's mental yeah. on these but on the notes and this is not just notes but is footballers and not just footballers but wide use is using exclamation marks with really somber messages i find it absolutely i continually find it baffling when sort of sharing sort of condolences about famous people yeah. who died i i yeah. cannot i don't get I it literally, <laughs> it's the most incongruous thing why are you putting an exclamation mark really there? sad and, and yeah it's, exactly <laughs> gutted to hear the news don't have an exclamation mark gutted there. to hear the and, news and, and they'll do this after losses as well they'll be like absolutely gutted that we lost to our neighbor's but you know we weren't we we just weren't good enough exclamation mark don't hammer home the point it's incredible <laughs> how much the shift of them changes um, <laughs> absolutely quite right absolutely right so i could get my head around this this dislike of football Reese. the next one i'm struggling with i'm really fascinated to hear your your explanation for this okay so i don't know if you've ever tried to google what channel a football match is on but it's the one of the worst experiences it's possible <laughs> to have in human life if you google Say, for example, at the time of recording, Tottenham are going to play Southampton this evening. If you Google Tottenham v Southampton, what channel is it on? You will be met with such an enormous backstory of the history of football in some (laughs) Metro article or equivalent that then never tells you what fucking channel it's on. It's one of the most difficult. Firstly, you've got to disable your ad blocker. Yeah. Right. You've got to take ages doing all this shit, except a billion cookies just for an article that has no information. Literally, I feel like. It was something like if you clicked, I don't know, 
six months ago in particular is when I think it got the worst in the middle of the pandemic. If you clicked an article called like Chelsea Villa, what channel can I watch it on? It would be like, everyone loves watching football. But in recent times, the way we watch football has changed slightly. Flashback to December 2019 and a hungry man in Wuhan. And it's like, are you insane? This is the most infuriating. And like, I tried to look up Spurs, as an example, Spurs Southampton, what channel is it on? And it was like, last time, Spurs breezed past Brighton in the cup. But will they suffer any high wins against their other South Coast teammates? And then it's just like all this detail about team news for ages, which is not why I asked. If I'm looking for that, I can find that elsewhere. And that will tell me simply. And I just think people always, there's sort of like a stereotypical joke on the internet of, if you look for a recipe and it's not on BBC Good Food, it's on like a recipe <laughs> blog, yeah. the person who's written it will give you an entire story of their family traveling to the woods and having nothing in. So we just went to the supermarket and bought this penne and this thing and I made this amazing <laughs> recipe. And here's what it meant to us. And now we have it every Sunday because it represents that great time we had in Nebraska. And I'm like, just tell me the fucking ingredients and stop saying cups, you American maniac. It's, it drives me insane. And the, <laughs> Googling the channels is exactly the same thing. And at best, at the end of the article, it says, by the way, it's on Five Live. And you're like, I don't care about the radio. <laughs> it just makes me right. so angry. Two things here. First of all, Charlie, um, it, it almost, you know, some people might think, oh, you know, Reese is a comedian. He's, he's exaggerating this for comedic effect. He's not. He's absolutely not. <laughs> and I'm just trying to think of the most vacuous language I've read in, in, in an article like this on the rare occasions where I've had to resort to it. And I think it might be something like, they might have talked about recent form or recent encounters between the two teams, and it'll end with something like, Manager X will hope to get his side back on track mm. with a win here. Like, we'll hope to, but, I think is my least favourite footballing sentiment. We'll aim to, we'll be out to. I hate it. Back to winning ways on Wednesday after mm. a tricky... Yeah, I mean... The- this is uh, what they, you know because they all the more words they have the more keyword the more because this is obviously all about catching you on Google and you know so it is so it's um, and you know dwell time keep you there as long as possible so you are being had for <laughs> yeah. an absolute mark <laughs> yeah. you are let's Sorry. let's keep you here and you try and scroll down but you can't scroll down because there's a questionnaire mm. and you get past the questionnaire no I don't want to answer any of these questions there's then a video and you you just can't get past that video oh, I mean yeah in, a point in general of how newspaper websites have become become utterly unreadable with adverts that increase in size as you try and scroll past them oh I haven't they're seen just like, they sort of get you're doing the scroll and they're going with you and you're like how is this <laughs> happening I'm going past you and noise just suddenly coming from a tab mm. on your computer that you're going a press conf- there'll be a press conference video yeah. that you'd have no oh. interest in and you're suddenly being but an ad first before you even get to hear Antonio Conte previewing this same exactly game. it's oh, they're all infuriating but the, this one in particular, because you don't even get to read any of the stuff you're trying to read. And yeah, you're right. I am being absolutely had. I'm surprised. There's, I bet if you comb through it, there's all these SEO phrases in it to get more clicks anyway. Like, um, oh, it's been a bad run for Tottenham lately, but there's only one direction they can go in from here just to get every fucking search result. <laughs> they can get. Cristiano Ronaldo will not be playing in this match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, exactly. not, not playing for either side. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're as well inadvertent. It's as if we've set you up here, Reese, because this is very much the athletic model, of oh, course. Oh, yeah, you know, of course. You don't get yeah. ads or anything like this. So, yeah. you know, th- thanks for doing our jobs for us. Oh, it's, it's oh, nice this, to touch um, space with the Daily Express every now and then, though, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. With the real, with the real man on the street. <laughs> um, may I point you in the direction of um, a very useful website, Live Football on TV. You'll visit it so often that all you'll have to do at some point is simply type live into your address bar and it will auto-complete and take you all the way there and it will just have a big long list of games with the channels next to them. Uh, your problem is solved. Ooh, that, oh my God. Well, but that, that, but you... their, their current system of getting found on Google is abysmal. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is that what they're doing? They're maintaining it as a secret as some sort yeah, of weird maybe. marketing maybe plan? Maybe real cognoscenti out there we asked our listeners about the um, consistent footballing information that they are they're googling all the time um i'll give you three dex says with googling it's player ages every time how is he only 31 charlie i think the feel like the range for this is 29 to 31 of, of kind of incredulousness of how old a player is that's the peak yeah. for yeah yeah how he's he's either he's only 31 or he he's 31 31 well, is the, a magic age for this or there is that one like you know, he's 26 now. You know, he's yeah. not 
He's, he's not that young anymore. It's very disheartening you know, to find a player you like is now 26. And like, as if there's no, there's no time left. He's, no, he he's got any time left to do <laughs> yeah, exactly, anything. Yeah. He's probably knackered. He's probably picking he's up done. injuries. It's terrible. It's a really precarious thing. Sam Diamond says, I'm forever Googling how to correctly spell Bramall Lane. Yes, sympathies there. Yeah. But uh, I'll end on this slightly bleak one from James Mooney. He says, I often Google the scores from random games from my childhood just to see if I can remember them correctly. Wow. Oh, mate. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I suppose I'm on board with that. <laughs> God, Bryce knows that. what SEO articles he stumbled. And actually, you know what? No, but I, actually, I've had to do that occasionally. And the BBC pages from those times are excellent. I love them. Yes, they're so I, I was... information heavy. It's just like everything's. It's better than the BBC page now for looking at a football match, where it's so dominated by the player rating system, which I can't. I, I don't think I've ever met anyone who would ever use that. <laughs> it's a waste of time. So but when you want to look at the during their live uh, t- uh, games, though, at least. Yeah, thank God for that. Was ridiculous. Yeah. Get on the player rater at half time. I can't gonna... do that. I've no. got some pride. Yeah. Um, but when you want to look up a formation on the BBC website, just want to click lineups, and then you've just got rate Kieran Trippier out of ten. So, oh my god! I'm not even watching it. <laughs> people who can, people who are paying enough attention to rate each player individually out of ten. Fair yeah. play to you. Right onto the perhaps the ultimate games gone territory, please. Here, Reese, your third and final hatred of football. John Terry's relentless NFT Ponzi scheme. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's relentless, insane, and relentless, and it, it's absolutely sickening. It's just look, I understand it, and I'm not gonna use this as a platform to have a go at NFT specifically. Yeah. It's been done to death. And yeah, we don't want to be fuddy duddies about this, do we? Exactly, yeah. yeah. But I just, and I think footballers and NFTs make sense, you know, as a combination because they're expensive and hideous. And don't get me started on NFTs, actually. Um, <laughs> bit of fun there. But no, but I mean, footballers, what we know about footballers is they have too much money and famously awful taste, right? Which you can tell from what they wear and what they say they're listening to and the song choices they do and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so NFTs make sense to spend uh, 80 grand on a picture of a monkey that... Yes, we can be fighting others and say, well, I could just screenshot the picture and all that bollocks. But, you know, <laughs> that's not how art works. Yeah. But, like, it's just it's just such a mad thing that, like, newspapers will have a go at Marcus Rashford, for example, for buying two houses mm. as an investment. But I, there's not that much, certainly in mainstream newspapers yet, about... John Terry, <laughs> so many footballers, <laughs> into buying this weird thing called Ape Kids Club with different kits on. I've got a list of the players he's got involved. Isn't want... Reese James involved? Reese James is one of them. His is his profile picture. Yes, absolutely. It's helpful to differentiate us. He's got one and Terry sort of says, welcome to the club. So what he does is he welcomes them to the club. Tammy Abraham, he welcomed to the club. Bobby Zamora, Jack Wiltshire, Ben Foster, Steve Sidwell, Nigel Steve Dion, Sidwell. Esri Concert and Willian. <laughs> Uh, all have John Terry's ones, and he did one. John Terry released one of him with like it was a, like him and a, it was a monkey in a Chelsea kit with all John Terry's trophies. And then the Premier League got in touch, and he had to remove it because he didn't <laughs> yeah. have the rights to sell that. Didn't um, have the foresight for this. He didn't see the story moving on. I mean, at what as you least, as you listed these these players, at what point down this list do you think it starts to become maybe sort of bullying? <laughs> so it's like you fucking yeah, will do I these think, NFTs, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Sidwell definitely. Feels like, feels like feels like, like yeah he's he's got him in a headlock, um, but yeah Bobby Zamora is where it's like all oh, right so how far down your list of asking people to get involved were you before Bobby Zamora came up on your phone because he's in Z presumably <laughs> for a start but also it's, like even just reeks the... of midway through a game of golf yeah yeah exactly oh by the way have you heard of Ape Kids Club. Well, you're in for a surprise here. It's um, a pyramid scheme, Barbara. It's so yeah, exactly. It's just such a weird thing. Like, look, if footballers want to get involved in NFTs, fine. It's not the footballers and NFTs thing in general. Depay and Neymar have got bored apes, which are the popular ones. And like, yes, sort of like rappers and people like that have these things. And footballers have so much money they sort of think they are rappers, don't they? Uh, mm. And they do sort of dress like rappers and stuff like that. But and obviously, there's some where like Andy Robertson released this one that was like that looks like this old 90s trading card really missed the point of what nfts are <laughs> and it's called like hometown heroes i think and that was clearly has nothing to do with him i'd be amazed if he knew about it it's just like can we use your likeness for this thing it'll go up in value on itself with this and it would just be nfts and he's probably just gone yeah whatever that might be making a huge assumption but it looks like he's had nothing to do with it. it's like let's use your name and to pint name, I'm just getting involved in the board ape thing, but like lots of you know cool people have those supposedly. But the John Terry going, I've made this thing, 
and I am strong arming all of these players <laughs> into get, getting involved and then congratulating them publicly. It just makes me, it is, yeah, you're, like you say, it's just bullying, but bullying in such a modern way that I can't understand. <laughs> Charlie, last point on this is um, there was always going to be, um, there's always going to be some sort of, you know, older fans resistance to this. Like, what the hell is this nonsense? So, but there is an element of it. There is there's a kind of a variant of these NFTs which does hark back to something that these fans might be able to get their heads around, which is, as we said, the kind of playing cards. And uh, Luke Shaw's got one. Um, he, he unveiled it in a really sort of low-definition GIF. And it's, it's, it's basically him in a kind of rectangular playing card format. And it, and it has the crucial thing, which is him in a completely nondescript football shirt. Yes, So like one, one of the, oh. the playing cards that weren't Panini back in the days and he got in front yeah, of the shoe yeah, and this yeah. thing. And, and then that's, that's the moment where I thought, oh, I get this now. I don't want it, but I get it. I mean, the thing is with it, the thing that I don't like is it's, it's like a... With footballers, you often know that, well, maybe if I met them, I wouldn't like them or whatever, but there's kind of that illusion. Mm. Whereas this feels like a real shorthand for... Right, okay, well, if he's doing NFT, mm. if he's sort of grifting people out of money, I can't really get on board with that. And that's shame. Like, I really like Reese James, the other Reese James. I think he's great. But now he's doing the NFT thing, and then it makes it, I don't know, it just makes it a bit harder to really warm to. There's some players, players who just, this. when they, some players who just have, have bought one, and obviously just like someone as young as Reese James, I'm sort of like, oh, you actually might just think this is really cool and just think, oh, I'll buy one of them. It's, you know, £5,000 and. I make that yes, in 10 minutes. Yeah. So yeah, cool. I'll have one of them. Have it as my profile picture. Isn't that cool? There's some like that where I'm like, that. that's realistic. John Terry is is in way too deep here. It's like he's in bed with the mafia somehow. <laughs> and I, I get the trading card thing Normally as well, such a lovable bloke. Yeah, exactly. financial <laughs> trouble about this, isn't there? I, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. exactly. It does feel a bit like what's happening to you. But the, the trading card thing is like, if you ask people about what NFTs are and like when, when they're trying to put it in simple terms, if you say explain like I'm six or whatever they do sort of say well it's sort of like baseball cards or equivalent of like they are collectible and they increase in value by how rare they are and it's a bit like that mixed with the art world of getting actual things NFTs and that it just the fact it's on the internet just means you have the certification attached to it so you don't have to find that right so I completely get that and I get it with the trading card thing and I've got no issue with that it's just that I'm just worried about Steve Sidwell <laughs> Let's end, taken it. For a let's ride. end it on that note. Our, <laughs> our, a hard time our long Chelsea concern and now this. for Steve Sidwell. Okay, so let's recap what we've discussed today. Cheeky Mates with the Spurs squad. Pepe Reina being strong-armed into singing La Bamba to the Aston Villa squad. <laughs> the creeping ubiquity of Dion Dublin. The inappropriate slash appropriate use of the Notes app for apologising after, after heavy defeats. How hard it is to Google kickoff times. And finally, John Terry's relentless NFT pyramid scheme. A, a, a wonderful selection. I, I, do you stand by them all now? There's nothing you would rather have had? No, I mean, there's definitely, you know, I can come, I could talk about pundits' coats for maybe a week. I think there's two sides of the spectrum to it, but I won't get into it now. That's the Save only it. thing, Save really. It for yeah, time. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, on, on Desert Island Disc, David Attenborough's been on it four times, I think. So, you know, there, there may be potential in years to come for repeat MHDs. <laughs> Who knows? Perfect. We might have to. Let's put it that way. <laughs> if we're going to get anywhere near 500, then we, would, we that, might have to resort to that. That's but. very much a way of future-proofing ourselves, legitimizing with <laughs> it's good enough for Desert Island Discs. <laughs> we'll work on our SEO at least. Reese James, thank you for joining us. R-H-Y-S James. Pleasure. Good to have you. Charlie, thanks to you too. Thank you. And we'll see everybody next week. Cheerio. The Athletic. <laughs>